That is incorrect, R.L. Skeeter. I will not blame myself being late this morning on the puppies because actually they had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I just, I'm just slow this morning and took my time. <laughs> That's all. And, and then I sat down at the computer and realized, oh, I'm, I have a lot to do before I, I hit the stream button. Uh, so good morning, everyone. Welcome. It's Friday. This is Just Human episode 219. Um, and I want to say thank you to everyone who uh, sent me some positive messages and, uh, and comments on the last show. Um, and, and they told me they got a lot out of it. I really appreciate that. It was, um, it's pretty uncomfortable talking about J six cause it's such a emotionally charged topic and, um, it's a heavy, it's a heavy topic. And I know that I'm contradictory or I, my views are not in line with, uh, mainstream views either on the left or the right when it comes to J six. So, I always get a bit of blowback uh, whenever I, I bring it up, but I really appreciate the the positive comments I got on it and um, people telling me that uh, that they that they appreciated it. So um, I finished the show on Wednesday kind of down afterwards, like kind of depressed because uh, it's just a difficult subject to talk about. Um, so anyway, today's, today I am not depressed whatsoever. Today we have a ton of good news, um, a ton of happenings in the... Uh, nothing is happening space. Um, where the, there we go. Okay. We're just going to get right to it. That is not what's happening. We'll get to that in a minute. So do you guys remember we're going to, we have a lot to cover today and I'm going to just try and get as far as I can, uh, before the caffeine wears off. And then I'm going to take the puppies to the vet <laughs> to get their next round of shots. Um, okay. Charles McGonagall. You guys remember this jerk? He's a total traitor. He was there at the FBI in New York, head of counterintelligence, I believe, and was, uh, yes, former special agent in charge of the FBI New York counterintelligence division. And he was a Russian asset inside the FBI. And Charles was there at the very beginning of Spygate and ran the Carter Page or the investigation that led to the Carter Page FISA and received, we think possibly, or some of us think the steel dossier first. And perhaps this is speculation, but if you recall from my coverage of the Durham report, Durham repeatedly brought up the fact that there was a delay in getting the steel dossier from the New York field office, which it would have been the counterintelligence division would have looked at it, getting the, getting that steel dossier over to the folks at NDC uh, FBI headquarters, um, like three weeks, if I remember correctly, or maybe just a little over three weeks of a delay before they started handing over pieces of the steel dossier. And Durham brought that up many times and it was kind of, he had no explanation for it. And when he asked people about it, they either said they didn't know or they didn't recall or they were unsure. He never got a direct answer from any of the dozens of FBI agents and various DOJ employees he interviewed. And um, nobody seemed to have an answer for why there was this delay. And I got the feeling from based on the way Durham talked about it and the number of times he brought it up, I got the impression that there's, there was a there there that Durham was pointing to there's, there's something here that needs to be uncovered. And I can't help but suspect that possibly what needs to be uncovered is Charles McGonagall's role in that. Um, now, Charles McGonagall, for all the uh, 
allegations about Trump working with the Russians and Trump being a Russian asset. Charles McGonagall was very much a real Russian asset. We're talking about a guy who went to, uh, one, he was basically the employee of Oleg Deripaska, who was paying and uh, operating a number of other people involved in Russiagate. And so the entire origin, the very beginning of Russiagate is a story of Russian Russian collusion by people like Oleg Deripaska, Danchenko, Dolan, uh, who spends so much time in Russia and loves Russia and kind of is kind of an idiot. Um, he probably gets used by Russia when it's convenient for them, you know, and all these people working together to frame Trump. And then we have the FBI, quote unquote, going after Trump. Well, Charles McGonagall was certainly somebody who actually would have been going after Trump um, on behalf of Russian oligarchs like Oleg Deripaska. He laundered a ton of money and he made a lot of money. And he did things such as walking up to rental cars that were arranged for him. And in the, in the trunk of the rental car would be $50,000 in cash. Um, that's a real story from one of the indictments. Now, if you guys recall, I, I have been following the McGonagall story for a year now. I believe it was in September of 2022 when uh, Business Insider had a report that Charles McGonagall was being looked at and was under investigation. And I covered it on this show. And then six months later, last last year, this year, six months later in January, about six months later, uh, Charles McGonagall was finally indicted. And oh boy, was I happy about that because he was indicted in the District of Columbia on one set of charges. And then he was indicted in the SDNY on another set of charges, both on the same day. It was a, it was a double scoop of indictments against a, a traitor. I mean, one thing that's kind of easy to forget here, maybe it isn't for some people, but um, the press doesn't give the Charles McGonagall story very much information, very much attention because it's necessary for them to spin it in a certain way. The left doesn't give this story much attention because what they need to do with it is spin it that Charles McGonagall was some McGonagall was somehow helping Trump because in their worldview and in their narrative that they are trying to program people with. Trump is a Russian asset. And so another Russian asset that was in the FBI must be someone who was there to protect Trump. And so they need, in order for them to cover the story, they need to constantly contort it into a story of a Russian asset within the FBI protecting Trump. Just like they do with Bill Barr. How they always say that Bill Barr protected Trump from Robert Mueller. But the problem with that is that you can't get very far with making this a story about McGonagall protecting Trump in any way because McGonagall was very much after Trump and was very much a, he's a traitor. And they can't they can't tie those things together and really tell that story coherently. So instead they just throw it out there and then leave out a bunch of details and let people assume that oh well this this guy probably protected Trump and that's he was another Russian asset. The FBI see in the left, the rush, the FBI is full of Russian assets who protect Trump <laughs> and Rudy. Uh, but the right has a difficulty, I think, or at least they're not, they don't spend much time dealing with the McGonagall story. Um, and I'm not sure why, 
I'm not quite sure why, because it is a story of a Russian asset within the FBI being uncovered. And it's the biggest story of the FBI being cleaned out. You know, this is like people cry for, we want the FBI to be, they cry about how the FBI is so corrupt and they want the FBI fixed. They want all these bad guys out of the FBI. They want the FBI held accountable. Um, for political influence, which this is political, it's just foreign policy. It's 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 straight up. Well, it is straight up political because McGonagall was going after Trump and uh, Carter Page for political reasons, and then also because they were the enemies of Oleg Deripaska, and so he was doing that work. And it was political because he was he was a uh, he was representing Russian oligarch interest in FBI investigations and using McGonagall. Uh, both in the in the SDNY case and then in the DC case, uh, which is connected to Albania, um, they were using McGonagall's influence and power within the FBI to influence sanctions and influence visa uh, visas for uh, foreigners. Um, Oleg Deripaska was using McGonagall to try and get a visa to America for himself for a time. And in the case of Albania, they were using McGonagall to shield some of their people and then also to go after political opponents. So like put political opponents under investigative pressure uh, in order to damage them for to the benefit of the people in Albania who were paying McGonagall off. The Charles McGonagall's story is very much connected to Spygate. And, and, I, and I don't know why the right doesn't give it more attention. You would think they would want to highlight it as an example of how corrupt the FBI is and as a story of a, a major piece of that corruption being found out and, and charged. Well, anyway, as you guys know, McGonagall accepted a plea agreement in the SDNY case. And in my opinion, he flipped. I think, and I'm excited about it. He he flipped. Um, and then, over in the D.C. case, it turns out he has flipped in that one as well. And the reason we can assume this, reasonably assume this, it doesn't make it necessarily so, but reasonably assume it is that there was a status hearing that was scheduled to happen uh, today via Zoom, right here, September 22nd, 2023, 5 p.m., via Zoom video conference. There was supposed to be a, um, a status update. It says it right there. Uh, yesterday, they came in and changed that, and they changed it to a plea hearing, in per- which is going to be in person at 2 p.m. in courtroom 28A, which means, and then here's the order, Charles McGonagall plea agreement hearing set for 9.22, 2 p.m., courtroom 28A, in person before Judge Collar Catelli. So that means he's going to go in there. He's already pled not guilty to this. If they're going to have another plea hearing, then that means that he's going to be pleading guilty, and it says plea agreement. So he's made some sort of agreement. We'll see what we find out about it today at 2 p.m. Um, I'm not sure if Inner City Press is there in person, but maybe there will be a journalist there in person to log what what is said in the courtroom. Um, so we can try and get a sense, but I think, you know, 
there's always two sides or two views of uh, this whenever someone plea gets a plea agreement. It's people think either it's a slap on the wrist or it's a it's a cover up. But I'm one of those conspiracy theorists that think it thinks it represents that Charles McGonagall has flipped. And that's why I'm excited because today is flipping Friday. Charles McGonagall has flipped. So that's another Spygate creature, swamp creature, who has been caught. And that just makes my day. But what also makes my day is this news. And by the way, I should say the DC case, if you, don't got, if you guys don't recall, the DC case has to do with making, the charges are making false statements and concealing $225,000 in cash connected to activity in Albania while he was serving in the FBI. He took a lot of money from there. Um, his case connects to all these wonderful people. Oleg Deripaska, who is one of the biggest swamp creatures in the world. Lord Barker, a name that we don't hear that much anymore, but he is also a person who's tied to the very beginnings of, of Spygate. Um, he was N plus or EN plus chairman, board chairman with Oleg Deripaska. That's Oleg Deripaska's company, one of his companies. Uh, Rusal is another one of his companies. He has like a lot of Russian steel, Russian aluminum enterprise extraction. Extraction industry is what made him a billionaire. Um, he left N plus in early 2022. So there might be something going on with him, but he doesn't come up that much anymore. Yevgeny Fokin was a director there and he's described in the indictment as agent one and is rumored in public media reports to be a Russian intelligence officer. Sergei Shestikov was a federal court interpreter who is also indicted alongside. He's here in the U.S. He's also indicted alongside McGonagall. Not sure what's going on with him. I haven't seen him come across as making a, a plea agreement or anything like that. I'm not sure what his status is in these cases, to be honest. Uh, and then Charles McGonagall was described by Shestikov as a security professional who helped on an ad hoc basis. But at Fokin's request... Shestikov contacted McGonagall, which resulted in a relationship with Spectrum Risk Solutions. This is the indictment for work with Deripaska. I've gone over that before on this show. I've gone over both of these on this show. It's been a while. But here are his partners in Albania. Agron Nezo is 25% owner, appointed in 2019. He purportedly traveled to Albania with McGonagall in 2017. And he was involved in transferring funds related to both indictments, but he's not accused of wrongdoing. So he might be a source here for the FBI and DOJ in their indictment or indictments. Plus Mark Rossini, a former FBI agent in August, 2022 indictment for bribery in Puerto Rico. He's come up before on this show per intelligence online. Rossini consulted for Walter Soriano and influence from CT group in Puerto Rico. Chef kept co-owner of Terra Royal, Terra Oil Swiss, and then Charles McGonagall was a 25. So the, all these people, see, they add a 25% owner. They all add up to owning this company, which they laundered their money through. Let's see. Let's see which other part I want to bring up to y'all. Okay, so Charles McGonagall 
received $225,000 cash from an individual who had business interests in Europe and who had been an employee of Foreign Intelligence Services while McGonagall was serving as a special agent in charge of FBI counterintelligence in the New York office. McGonagall retired from the FBI in September 2018. According to the nine-count indictment from August 2017 and continuing through and beyond his retirement in February of 2018, McGonagall concealed from the FBI the nature of his relationship with former foreign security officer and business person who had an ongoing business interest in foreign countries and before foreign governments. Specifically, McGonagall requested and received at least $225,000 in cash from an individual and traveled abroad with the individual and met with foreign nationals. The individual later served as an FBI source in a criminal investigation involving foreign political lobbying over which McGonagall had official supervisory responsibility. McGonagall is accused of engaging in other conduct in his official capacity as an FBI special agent in charge that he believed would benefit the business person financially. Now, I think they got this guy... And they're flipping him and the, the charges that they got on him are just what they could prove. I think there's far, I think he did far more than just accept $225,000. I think he accepted a lot more money than that, but they have to go with what they can prove in the court of law that he did. So I think there's a lot more left on the table, but the nature of the game is you go with what you can prove in court. August 2017 to May 6, 2019, McGonagall falsified, concealed, and covered up aspects of his relationship with Person A that he had a duty to disclose and his private interest, including accepting a quarter, almost a quarter million dollars from Person A, travel with Person A to Europe, and establishing ongoing relations with foreign nationals introduced by Person A and Associates. September to October of 2017 is when he went to, he went two trips to Albania, and that's when he got the cash. He also tra went there on, on September 9th with person B and the, and the prime minister of Albania. We don't know Albania is like a, like one of those narco states. It's like one of those like mafia states that its economy is massively tied to and dependent on drug import and export activities and other, other cr international crime. And McGonagall was getting paid out of that. McGonagall urged the Prime Minister of Albania to be careful about awarding oil field drilling license in Albania to Russian front companies. Person A and Person B both had a financial interest in the government of Albania, Albania's decision about, about awards of oil field drilling license. So he was being paid to tell the Prime Minister, I would be careful about that. I'm, I'm an FBI counterintelligence chief, and I know all about these Russian front companies. You should be careful for, with, about granting these licenses to them. But his real reason for doing it was because he was being paid to. October 5th, 2017, outside a restaurant in a parked car in New York City, McGonagall received approximately $80,000 in cash from person A. I, was, I misremembered. It wasn't fifty; dollars It was $80,000 in cash in a parked car left for him. Fall of 2017, at Person A's residence in New Jersey, McGonagall twice more received $80,000 and $65,000 in cash and indicated the money would be paid back. November 2017 to 2018, 
McGonagall traveled to Austria with person A and interviewed an Albanian businessman and politician, and then went to Albania and met various people. McGonagall informed the DOJ prosecutor of a potential new criminal investigation involving a U.S. citizen who had registered to perform lobbying work in the U.S. on behalf of an Albanian political party, different from the one in which the prime minister was a member. FBI New York formally opened a criminal investigation focused on the U.S. citizen lobbying at McGonagall's request. The person A um, in this story was later identified by the FBI New York as a confidential human source supporting the investigation. So he, did he compromise a source for the people he was being bought by? Like the prime minister's over there buying him and then he has the U.S. open an investigation against that prime minister's political opponent or a U.S. person who was connected to his political opponent. Turns out that guy was a confidential human source. So blew that up. April 28th to August 2018, an effort to arrange United Nations meeting for a fee of a half million dollars from a pharmaceutical company. April 2017, 2018, McGonagall met with person C and person D in Germany. In the meeting, person C and person D requested an opportunity to meet with the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations or another high-level U.S. government official to request United States support for a political purpose that would impact the region of Bosnia and Herzegovina. On June 25, 2018, McGonagall proposed to person A that person A and company A enter, enter into a contractual relationship with person D and their pharmaceutical company. McGonagall's proposal included that company A would be paid a half million dollars by person D and the pharmaceutical company in exchange for scheduling a meeting with person D's pharmaceutical company and a representative from the U.S. delegation to the United Nations. July 26, 2018, McGonagall provided the FBI's liaison to the United Nations proposed dates for the meeting that person, D and person C and person D had requested. And on August 13, 2018, Defendant McGonagall attended a meeting where he provided information to a senior official from the U.S. delegation to the United Nations about the request made by person C and person D. So this guy not only does work on behalf of Russian oligarchs and prime ministers and political people in Albania, but he also does work for the pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> what a swamp creature. What a swamp creature. And I am so glad that he is flipped. And I'm sorry to everybody who thought that I was confused about it being Thursday. I wasn't confused about it being Thursday. All right. We have another piece of news this morning. Speaking of people getting indicted. Let me go grab it. This just came up right as I was going live. Or sitting down to get prepared to go live. Uh, Democrat Senator Robert Menendez from New Jersey and his wife Nadine Menendez are going to be indicted today. Or their indictment's going to be unsealed. They're being charged with bribery offenses in connection with their corrupt relationship with three New Jersey businessmen. I believe this may tie into that story about gold bars. This story broke just yesterday or the day before. 
that U.S. Senator Bob Menendez accepted bribes in gold bars worth up to $400,000 in exchange for help with a criminal case. Drain that swamp. Drain that swamp. But of course, you know, nothing's happening, guys. Nothing's happening at all. Good times. Happy Friday to everybody. Um, so this will be at 2 p.m. I will definitely be seeing what I can get of a transcript and what is said. And then later on, looking at what the agreement is. Uh, we did have an agreement come down or not an agreement. We did get some paperwork on Ray Epps and uh, after the show was over yesterday. And this details what he did at the Capitol and what the elements of it's it's the info it's the elements of the it's the statement of the offense. So Ray Epps is getting charged with one count, um, and this is the story of how they came to get get that count. Um, it does show in here. It does tell the story, and I it backs up what I said on Wednesday that. Two days after January 6th, Epps had been informed, people have been contacting him, and he had seen that he was all over media. He knew that people knew people had figured out who he was. So January 8th, he called the FBI tip line and identified himself as the person in photograph number 16, which is why that image was removed from the FBI wanted list. Um, in the same call, Epps gave a lengthy consensual interview concerning his activities on Capitol grounds. Among other statements, Epps admitted that he had attended the Stop to Steal rally and told people to go to the Capitol afterwards. Epps also admitted to observing other rioters tear down barricades and confront police. On March 3rd, 2021, so two months after January 6th, Epps, with his then-attorney, participated in a consensual follow-up interview with FBI agents. During that interview, Epps identified himself in photographs and videos from the January 6th riot in the Capitol, he stated that when words started to spread that rally goers were going to the Capitol after the speech was concluded, he decided to help spread the message and that he wanted to be in the front of the pack. Epps further understood that he was trespassing on January 6th, and while he, he intended to enter the Capitol, he did not intend to break in. His goal was to walk into the front door and let the, them, the lawmakers, know what they, Trump supporters, think. That's a quote. Now, I think I'm getting the impression here. I'm getting the impression here that Epps was not that well informed of what the ultimate plan of Oath Keepers and Proud Boys were. Maybe he was, and he's just playing it in the interview that's quoted here as if he didn't know as much, you know, like trying to protect himself. Um, but I'm kind of wondering if Epps, being the old man, in the Oath Keepers, he's older than the other people that were... I think he's the oldest Oath Keepers charged. I'm not sure. But he is one of the older members of the Oath Keepers, and certainly Proud Boys who were present that day. I'm wondering if he was not fully aware of just what they intended to do that day. And he went and moved some barricades, and he got involved initially, but he didn't go into the Capitol. And I'm thinking he, I'm thinking he didn't quite grasp what the intentions of his fellow oath keepers were that day and what sets him apart from the others and you know like the full-on press on the right 
since January 6th has been to treat Epps as if he was the mastermind of the entire thing. And it's, it's never, it's never made that much sense. And people have constantly tried to make him an FBI asset, a fed. And I can understand why people thought that, but he's not. And there's no evidence that he is. So, um, I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm not saying he's a good guy. Don't get me confused with that. I'm just saying that I don't think he was as aware of the intentions of the group that day. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about it. I'm just, I'm entertaining that idea. Um, I do think that the reason why and I've seen a lot of complaining about how, well, he wasn't raided. Why wasn't his door knocked down by like other J six defendants, the way they were treated. And I'm not going to defend the way they were treated. I think it's, I think it's, it's horrible how many J six defendants have been treated, but what does set him apart is that two days later, he contacted the FBI and told them who he was and was willing to be interviewed. And it goes a long way in any investigation when instead of you hiding from them or waiting for them to come to your front door to talk to you and force you into an interview room, it goes a long way if you go to the police and just say, yep, that's me. I'd like to talk to you guys. I'll have my lawyer with me. Right? So I really do. I really do think the, uh, the main narrative on the left and the, the mainstream narrative on the left about Epps and the mainstream narrative on the right about Epps are both incorrect. And they don't, they don't match, they don't match the events of that day. They don't match the evidence that we have. They don't match this, this information. They don't match the OSINT that's available to us and has been available to us this whole time. But it's going to take a lot more than just me speaking about this to undo the programming that everybody has so gleefully accepted and has been just pushed into people's mind for two and a half years. But he does admit that he helped. He says right here, Epps responded to a text from a family member saying, I was in the front with a few others. I orchestrated it. So he's, he's straight up about his role in it. There's something to be said for that. I'm not sure how much he had to do with the planning of it, but he was there. He was there and he got, I mean, he scuffled with them. He's right here. And I think that he should have been charged. And I think he would have been charged with a lot more if he had not gone to the FBI and decided to work with them on this from the very beginning, right? So that's a difference. But narrative-wise, and I'm sure we'll talk about it on Defected on Sunday, uh, narrative-wise, this is, oh, this is so bad. Ebbs is a fed. They're giving him, they're giving him the sweetheart deal. Only charging him with one count. This ridiculous, corrupt FBI, grr, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the reason is, is because He's been, he, he's been working with them from day one and fessed up to everything and no doubt turned on, turned over information to them about all of the, all the planning pre J six. 
So he got a deal because he flipped against the rest of the Oath Keepers. Anyway, we did get this indictment. I don't want to get into this subject again because people will just get upset. So. Let's see. Let's talk about Bankman and Freed. There's no evidence that he was in communication with Nancy Pelosi. There's no evidence that Nancy Pelosi was in communication with any of these people. But the media on the right love to claim that. And there's been a lot of fake, there's been a lot of fake stuff going around. Um, so, but yeah, I can't, I can't fight against all the programming that people have gotten over J6. I, I can't, I can't fight it. <laughs> it's it's too much it's too much so Sam Bankman Freed who is currently in a prison in Manhattan which makes me happy to think about um, his trial starts October 3rd and uh He's been trying to get out of prison for that trial, and the judge said no. And uh, now his parents, who I have said all along, all along, his parents are the real masterminds of the FTX money laundering scandal. It's not. It's not this goober. It's not. It's not this guy. It's not this guy. It is. <laughs> he is just a patsy of his parents and now his parents have they're not they haven't been charged criminally yet i have always believed since since ftx since or since sbf um since sbf was first indicted and then the judge agreed for him to he could live with his parents and the judge spelled out how all of the devices in the home were monitored. They had all sorts of software on them to block them where they could only go to specific sites. They had key loggers. They also had software on there that took a picture of whoever was in front of the device like every 30 seconds or three minutes or something like that. And people complained about how SBF is getting a sweetheart deal. They're protecting him by letting him stay at home with his parents, et cetera, et cetera. No. They put him at home with his parents is a trap. I swear. We're going to find out. They put him at home in his in his parents' house as a trap knowing he could not resist violating his bond conditions, which he did on multiple times and that got him in more trouble. And they may, I don't know for sure, but they may have gathered information on the communications he was having with his parents and who his parents were communicating with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that he, I think that was all intentional. His parents haven't been indicted yet, but FTX, the company, which is now under control of someone else, another group who took it over and is trying to make it solvent and pay off its debts and all this other stuff. Uh, 
they are suing Samuel Bankman Freed's uh, parents. FTX is suing Sam Bankman Freed's parents, um, Joe Bankman and Barbara Freed, or Fried, whatever. I bet she pronounces it Freed. Both longtime Stanford Law School professors are accused of taking at least $10 million in cash from their son, Samuel Bankman Freed, as well as a $16.4 million home in the Bahamas. Bankman and Freed are also, respectively, accused of helping cover up complaints from the exchange's former attorney and helping executives evade necessary disclosures for political donations. The suit claims the couple either knew, this is a quote, either knew or ignored bright red flags revealing that their son, Bankman Freed, and other FTX insiders were orchestrating a vast fraudulent scheme. Among other transactions, Bankman is accused of funneling some $5.5 million to Stanford University, donations that did not benefit the FTX group and instead amounted to naked self-dealing by Bankman, who sought to hurry favor with and enrich his employer at the FTX group's expenses. Their son, Sam Bankman Freed, remains under federal indictment and awaits trial on money laundering and fraud charges in connection with FTX's stunning collapse. A statement from Bankman and Freed's attorneys denied all allegations. Blah, 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 blah. Stanford University, in a statement, said the institution will be returning the funds in their entirety. Stanford received gifts from the FTX Foundation and the FTX-related companies largely for pandemic-related prevention and research. We have been in discussions with attorneys for the FTX debtors to recover these gifts, and we will be returning the funds in their entirety. Last November, FTX filed for bankruptcy, uh, and there are $8 billion in debt. Soon after, Bankman Freed was charged by federal prosecutors. The 31-year-old's trial is set to begin on October 3rd. He pleads not guilty. Let's see if there's anything else we want to pull out here. According to the suit, Bankman helped facilitate millions of dollars in loans to top FTX employees and was listed on internal company documents as a manager of the company. In one set of messages cited in the suit, Bankman complained about receiving a salary of just $200,000, significantly less than the $1 million per year he had been expecting. In January 2022, Bankman complained to the FTX U.S. head of administration that he was not receiving the amount to which he believed he was entitled. He then brought the issue to his son's attention, writing, Gee, Sam, I don't know what to say here. This is the first I have heard of the $200,000 a year salary. Putting Barbara on this, meaning he was bringing in his wife, SBF's mother, to lobby for a massive salary increase. Two weeks later, SBF gave Bankman and Freed $10 million that originated from Alameda, FTX's sister hedge fund. Inside of three months, SBF gave the couple, his parents, $16.4 million Bahama property paid for with funds from FTX trading. Though the couple said that they never believed they owned the house, in May 2022, Beckman emailed an FTX executive inviting him and a group of others over to the over to celebrate the house you helped us buy and move into. The couple also saw $90,000 in expenses uh, for their new home paid for by FTX. Bankman is further alleged to have helped... Man, what? $90,000 in expenses for their new home. 
So it's $16.4 million to buy it, and then 90000 in, I don't know, furniture and appliances and lawn care or whatever. Bankman is further alleged to have helped cover up the allegation from a former FTX lawyer of SBF's business, business, <laughs> businesses had engaged in money laundering and price manipulation. Instead of looking into the claims, the lawsuit alleges Bankman, this is father, suggested investigating the attorney. Freed was never formally an FTX employee, however. She was heavily involved in her son's work especially as it pertained to making political donations. According to the suit, she encouraged him to make straw donations, which concealed that the money given was coming from FTX, a strategy devised to avoid, if not violate, federal campaign finance disclosure rules. Through its incredibly high stakes and complex bankruptcy process, FTX has been led by John J. Ray III, an attorney and CEO who specializes in recovering funds from failed companies. Last month, U.S. District Judge Lewis Kaplan revoked Bankman Fried's $250 million bail after finding that the former billionaire likely tampered with witnesses at least twice. Bankman Fried quickly appealed, arg appealed, arguing he would be unable to properly prepare for his October 3rd trial from behind bars. Earlier this month, the appeals court denied SBF's request to be released from the Brooklyn jail. Oh, I said Manhattan. He's in Brooklyn. Let's see. These are complaints about him needing Adderall and prison sucks. Let's see. Last week, the Times pu published parts of a 250-page... Oh, yeah, I this, this thing. Samuel Bankman fried while under house arrest, wrote a 250-page, 15,000-word Twitter thread, but never published it. He wrote, I'm broke and wearing an ankle monitor and one of the most hated people in the world. There will probably never be anything I can do to make my lifetime impact net positive. In repeated mentions, Bankman Freed blamed Ellison, the CEO of his investment company Alameda Research, for FTX's implosion, claiming she was ill-equipped for the role he gave her and she refused to implement his trading strategies that would have prevented the collapse. This is who he's talking about, this girl. He wrote... She continually avoided talking about risk management, dodging my suggestions until it was too late. Every time that I reached out with suggestions, it just made her feel worse. I'm sure that being ex I'm sure that being exes didn't help. Bankman Freed and Ellison had a romantic relationship, which ended, quote, the same way most of my relationships end. They want more intimacy and commitment and public visibility than I do, and I feel claustrophobic. In a show of what his defense strategy would, could be like, Bankman Freed argued Alameda would have stayed solvent if Ellison had agreed to hedge his aggressive trading strategy. If, quote, if Alameda had, Alameda had hedged, it would have remained solvent and prevented the entire unhappy story. Ellison, 28, told a New York court last year that she ran Alameda Research and essentially had access to an unlimited amount of FTX client money. She pleaded guilty to fraud charges. 
confessing she agreed with Bankman Freed to give materially misleading financial statements in order to hide the arrangement, which she knew was illegal. All of the other execs have flipped on SBF. And at trial, at trial, he, um, I'm wondering how many of them are going to be called. I'm wondering if at trial prosecutors are going to call his parents to testify. I wonder if they're going to call Ellison and Salame and Ning and the others, how many of them are going to be called to testify. And I'm also wondering if after SBF is surely convicted, if um, it's going to be his parents next. I don't think there's, that was pretty thorough. I don't think there's anything else in this. It's a total of, they want 20, it's $26 million in gift and properties is what the totals are. Wow. She's a, well, I'll, I'll hold off. Anyway, guys, if you're enjoying the show and you want to support it, sharing it's the best way or hitting the like button over on rumble. Um, beyond that, you can become a monthly supporter on Rumble like KB94MX5 just did. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, the best way and also the way to get my podcast version of the show is to go to justhuman.substack.com and sign up. It's free. Everything on there is, is free. The podcast is free. The occasional articles are free. If you want to do a paid subscription there, it's an excellent way to support the show. And I appreciate everybody who is a paid subscriber over there because that's like, that's number one. Uh, really appreciate everybody who has a paid subscription. Another way though is BensonHoneyFarms.com. Go over there and get yourself some Benson Honey. Now I have, there's a new way to do it. It was that you hit, um, you go over there and you use just human as a rep code. It It's changed now. Instead, I have a referral link. So let me move this over here. I have the video paused, so I'm not staring at myself talking the whole time. This is this one right here. You go right here. This. So I have it in my description now. Instead of using Repco Just Human, click this link, and that's a referral link. And then whatever you get, um, I'll get a few dollars from it. So if you want to get some honey or some soap, or some other products there, make sure you go you use the, the link down here in the description of the video to get to uh, um, this. The candy is really addictive. I will say it is candy, all right? Like it's, it's real, it's candy. It's not like exactly good for you, <laughs> uh, but it is so good and it is so addictive. Um, the honey is the thing though. Man, their honey is, my, is the best honey I've ever had. It is so good. Um, and then finally, if you want some merch, redwhitebourbon45.com is where my merch store is. They've added some hats. There's glasses, there's shirts, there's hoodies. Somebody sent me a message the other day that or like yesterday, maybe that the, they have a hoodie and the hoodie is really comfortable, that they really like it. That's great. Um, the, my favorite thing on here though is of course the coffee cup. Which I need more coffee. So those are the ways to support the show and I appreciate it very much, fam. All right. I need to know, um, 
I'm in this room streaming, obviously. Uh, but my wife is in the other rooms uh, on a on a business call, which must be hilarious because she's laughing a lot. But I need to know, can y'all hear her? I just need to know if you've heard her because we can adjust our mics in the separate we're, we're next to each other. We're both this is we're both in our own studio next to each other downstairs. So I just need to know if y'all hear her so that I we can both work on our stuff. Yes, y'all say you can hear her laughing. Okay. Cool. So she and I she and I will play around with our settings on our mics to try and bring the the mic in so it doesn't capture as much outside noise. Oh, you can't hear her, but you want to hear the puppies. The puppies are asleep right now, thankfully. They're asleep in their crate. So, okay. Some other people say they can't hear her, but it's probably just when she laughs. Yeah. Yeah, just when she's laughing. Okay. Yeah. Truthful Mama, thank you for the can over on uh, Pilled. And uh, yeah, Easy Three Cents. I can't wait to read the indictment of Menendez. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Another corrupt Democrat going down. I love it. Max force. Thank you for the cookie. I appreciate it. Um, when are you going to do an ASMR cigar and whiskey stream? <laughs> That sounds like a brilliant idea, honestly. <laughs> oh, I would like to do that tonight. That sounds great. Uh, I can't, but I would like to. That's, that sounds great. All right. I need, to, I'm missing a, I am missing a link here. Hold on just a moment. This is going to be a super pro moment. Got to bring this up. Yes. Open this. Open it. There we go. Now I need to bookmark you. Hold up. Hold up. We're going to do our next segment, which is going to be on... We're going to stick to swamp draining and indictments and things like that. We're going to talk about Hunter Biden. We're going to run through some of these, okay? The last two we're probably going to read. Um, now, I didn't get to watch um, A.G. Garland's hearing. Um, I saw some clips from it, and I tried to watch it. Um, I, I watched, like I don't know, like maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes, but that was I ran out of time. Um, and then I've seen clips. I didn't find it that interesting. It seemed like everything was just a gotcha question. It seemed to me like it was like just just the clips I saw. And I'm not saying that's all that happened in the hearing. But just the clips I saw, everything seemed like just political grandstanding, gotcha moments, gotcha questions. Like there was one there was one clip going around that like people were saying was like brilliant and this guy tricked Garland. And I don't remember, I think it was Troy Nels, maybe, was who it was. And like I saw that one go pretty popular, but I watched a clip and it was like, he's just ranting and not letting Garland say anything. Um, so I still want to, I still want to watch it. 
and see see some stuff but i i just from what i've seen it didn't seem like it was that meaningful of a hearing which is a shame um but anyway this is from the 18th special counsel david weiss might soon file a new indictment against hunter biden in another federal court potentially california over alleged tax crimes that the agents say they found in reviewing his finances from 2014 to 2019. Now, this article is the headline of it. It's from the Washington Post. The headline is Hunter Biden sues IRS over disclosures. So, and then the subheadline or the whatever this is, this part's called the lawsuit over the agency's interviews with Congress and the press comes as a special counsel weighs charging him with tax crimes. And if you go way down in the article, after it talks about the IRS and how the, the IRS whistleblowers revealed private information and that's why he's suing and all of this stuff, you go way down and that's where it has this about special counsel wise, potentially filing charges in California. Breitbart did a good job assembling this. Um, Weiss, okay, special counsel Weiss, I read that. ABC News also reported the gun charges are unlikely to be Biden's last. So you have WAPO and ABC putting up a flare saying there's going to be more charges. ABC News also reported that gun charges are unlikely to be Hunter Biden's last. Iris whistleblower Joseph Ziegler alleged in June that Hunter Biden received money from Barisa Holdings through a Chinese firm run by the Biden family business. Instead of reporting the money as income and paying taxes, the Chinese firm operated by the Biden family business allegedly loaned the money to Hunter Biden. IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley told Congress that Hunter Biden failed to pay $125,000 in taxes for income received from Barisma. In August, Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's best friend in business, partially corroborated the prior IRS whistleblower testimony about the means by which Hunter Biden evaded paying taxes on money received from Burisma Holdings. Archer told investigators that, that the money Hunter Biden received from his board position, which was $83,000 a month, was sent to Bohai Harvest Rosemont, BHR, a Chinese state-backed investment fund. Archer described the purpose of BHR as, Rosemont Seneca Bohai was set up to hold the equity of BHR, which is Bohai Harvest Rosemont Partners, or some equity partners, I believe, which was, which was a private equity fund that was started between Harvest, which is like the, I would say, like the fidelity of China. Bohai Sea Industrial Fund, which is a it's a government-owned private equity fund that wanted to go private. So basically the three letters of the acronym, Bohai Harvest Rosemont. So Bo he's saying that Bohai Harvest Rosemont is a consolidation of interest and equity, whatever, of Rosemont Seneca Bohai, Rosemont Partners, Equity Partners. Harvest, Bohai Sea Industrial Fund, all of those together connected to Rose Bohai Harvest Rosemont, BHR. And BHR comes up a lot in Hunter Biden's stuff. This was just set up to essentially own that equity and operate the, you know, what we thought was going to be a successful fund. 
which it ended up not being. That that was the reason for it. Kevin Morris, Hunter Biden's lawyer, controls an entity with a 10% stake in BHR Partners, a Chinese state-backed investment fund founded just days after Hunter and Joe Biden visited China in 2013. Breitbart News exclusively reported in April from documents obtained from nonprofit Marco Polo. Devin Archer's wife, Krista Archer, also holds a 10% stake in a Chinese state-backed investment fund. According to a recent CNN survey, 61% of Americans believe Joe Biden was involved in his family business deals with China and Ukraine. Only 38% say Joe Biden was not involved. And just 1% say that he was involved and did nothing wrong. This 38% of people who say Joe Biden was not involved, those are the people who are so blinded by their hatred of Trump and or people on the right that they can't see anything wrong with those who oppose them. It's just like total cognitive bias. And they're also the NPCs, the non-player characters who just accept whatever programming is is put out by their favorite news source. So, flare has gone up. Hunter Biden looks like it's going to be, he's going to be indicted on tax evasion, possibly FARA charges in California, maybe DC, one or the other, maybe both. Now, John Solomon, this is from September 18th. FBI received evidence from a second informant in Biden case, but shut him down. Ex-agent testifies. A retired FBI supervisor has revealed to Congress that the Bureau's Washington field office had a second, quote, politically connected informant providing information relevant to the Biden family investigation, but was asked to shut down the source in the fall of 2020, shortly after Joe Biden was elected president. Retired Special Agent Timothy Tebow, the former number two supervisor in the FBI's Washington field office, told the House Judiciary Committee last week in a transcribed interview that he was somewhat taken aback when he received the request from the lead agent in the Hunter Biden tax case in October 2020 to shut down the confidential human source. Quote, it shocked me a bit because I'm... I'm like, the purpose of a confidential informant is to support a case. Tebow Tebow told investigators in portions of a transcript reviewed by Just the News. Tebow did not further identify the source in his testimony. But best-selling author Peter Schweitzer told Just the News on Sunday that he believes he is the person described in the transcript based on past comments from Tebow and after the New York Times recently suggested the FBI had received information and the Hunter Biden case from a, quote, right-wing author. So Peter Schweitzer was a confidential human source. Now, that kind of opens up an opportunity to talk about confidential human sources and how not all of them are bad or nefarious. Some of them are people we like. Some of them are people we don't. Was Peter... <laughs> no, never mind. I'm not going to get into it. I, I'm not going to step back into January 6th. Never mind. Never mind. I'm, I'm not going to do it. Uh, one thing to keep in mind about this is it's Timothy Tebow. It's the, it's the perspective and the words from an interview with one person. And that means that whether they say stuff we like or not, we shouldn't automatically believe or disbelieve them. We have to each determine how much weight 
we should give their testimony, right? And Tebow is someone who we have previously looked at as someone who got in the way of the Hunter Biden investigation. Suppress the laptop story, things like that. But here, it doesn't come across that way, at least from that one quote. Now, we haven't seen the whole interview, so maybe we'd read the entire interview and we would think, oh, yeah, he is he is that guy who uh, was protecting the Bidens. But here it comes across a little bit differently. So it's worth just just maintaining some awareness that it's the, it's one person's perspective and and testimony. It will need other testimony and documents to back it up and add credibility to it. The reason I'm bringing that up um, is also not just because of him, but it's because there's there's much more uh, going on as far as people testifying about the Biden investigation. So Catherine Harridge, this is from the next day, September 29th, GOP oversight announces their first hearing on impeachment inquiry will be 9-28, September 28th. And they've got some new subpoenas going out. White House spokesperson Ian Sams previously said this baseless impeachment exercise would be a disaster for congressional Republicans. And don't take our word for it. Just listen to the chorus of their fellow Republicans who admit there is no evidence, no evidence for their false allegations. Whatever, dude. Uh, Note, they intend, the impeachment inquiry intends to subpoena Hunter and James Biden's personal and business bank records as early as this week. See if there's anything. The House Oversight Committee will hold its first hearing on the impeachment inquiry next Thursday, September 28th. The hearing will focus on constitutional and legal questions surrounding the president's involvement in corruption and abuse of public office. The committee also intends to subpoena Hunter and James Biden's personal and business bank records as early as this week. The Oversight Committee will continue to follow the evidence and money trail, etc., etc. Aren't you glad that they went after Trump's finances and bank records and now there's precedent and there's some shielding when Republicans go after Biden's? Funny how that works. Almost like that was the plan all along. All right, this article is no longer relevant, but these two are. And I want to give a shout out to Washington Examiner, Examiner because I read a lot of news on the left and the right. And I find that Washington Examiner tends to be less, far less hyperbolic and far less um, like spinning and using loaded language and emotional in their coverage. It's I'm not saying it's unbiased, but it is one of the more dry, straight up news sources out there. And I appreciate that because I read a lot of news sources that lead with emotion and spin and loaded language. Um, Washington Examiner is pretty straight up, and I love that. 
All right. A third IRS. This is a third IRS official confirmed that Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss faced roadblocks when attempting to bring charges against Hunter Biden. So just like with Timothy Tebow, we have another person who's a witness. He's an IRS whistleblower. So we already had Gary Shapley and we had, uh, what's his name? Joseph Ziegler. Now we have this person. Um, his name is Michael Batdorf. And uh, he's the third IRS official to come forth. I don't know if everything he says is true and accurate. No idea. I trust that it's his perspective and he's describing it as best he can. It's up to each of us to decide how much weight to give what he says and to try and not be biased by our own assumptions and beliefs about this thing. So we can't, we just, we can't, we can't just automatically believe everything one person says, right? Um, he says that David Weiss faced roadblocks when attempting to bring charges against Hunter Biden, contradicting denials issued Wednesday by Attorney General Merrick Garland. The IRS Director of Field Operations, that's his, that was his role, Michael Batdorf, told the House Ways and Means commun- Committee in a closed-door interview on September 12th that he felt frustrated by the refusal of the Justice Department to approve tax charges that IRS agents viewed as well-supported by evidence, according to a transcript of the interview obtained by the Washington Examiner. He also said the IRS removed Agent Gary Shapley, a whistleblower, from the Hunter Biden case at the direction of Weiss, despite having done nothing wrong. Batdorf's testimony was the latest piece of evidence to suggest that Weiss did not enjoy the unfettered authority to pursue Hunter Biden that Garland and others claimed he had. Still, Batdorf, who was above Shapley in the IRS chain of command, stopped short of attributing the DOJ's actions to bias in favor of President Joe Biden. In addition to, to the two Joe Biden appointed, in addition to the two Joe Biden appointed U.S. attorneys who refused to allow Weiss to bring charges against Hunter Biden in their districts. Batdorf said the GOJ tax division opposed bringing charges. Batdorf also said that DOJ tax argued against charges for Hunter Biden during a June 2022 meeting with Weiss and IRS officials who were in favor of advancing the case. Now, don't miss this. Because the testimony we're getting from the whistleblowers is contradicting some of the narratives that are going around about Weiss. And it's, I kind of, I kind of think it backs up our, our theory um, that some of us have that David Weiss is actually the right guy for a special counsel and that Trump and others around Trump uh, and then, and people in the house bashing David Weiss as being a blue slip pick. He's, he's a Democrat. He's protecting Biden. He's giving him sweetheart deals, all this stuff, trying to, you know, make, make Weiss seem like Weiss is a bad pick and he's just going to cover things up and he's protecting the Bidens. That is contradictory to what the IRS whistleblowers are saying. Cause the IRS whistleblowers are saying, no, Weiss wanted to bring charges against Hunter. They're saying he wanted to bring them in, possibly DC in California. And he was blocked 
by the U.S. attorneys there. And then Garland is saying that Weiss had the power to bring charges wherever he wanted to. And the IRS whistleblowers are saying that Weiss wanted to be special counsel and was denied. And I keep noticing things where it sounds like Weiss actually wants to go further than what he's allowed to, to than he's allowed to, to go at that time. But then you've got Trump and team putting out the narrative. Oh, Weiss is just covering up for the Bidens. He's protecting them. He's a Democrat, whatever. But that doesn't come across in the testimony from the whistleblowers. And so I think, I really do think it's kayfabe and Trump and team are doing that in order to create distance from Weiss and them, because after all, Trump did appoint Weiss as the U S attorney in Delaware and the media are constantly trying to make it out as this Trump appointed a U.S. attorney is going after Trump's political appoint Trump's political enemies. And so this, it's a great example of narrative shielding. End of kayfabe. All right. Quote, DOJ tax would have to authorize charges prior to David Weiss recommending an indictment or prosecution, Batdorf said during his interview. So, I mean, my understanding is that, I mean, he can't make that decision without DOJ tax authorization. Now, that's, keep in mind, that's Batdorf's understanding of the situation. We may learn later that that's not the case. And I think that's why he's saying that's my understanding. He's being careful there. The IRS supervisor confirmed that Hunter Biden's defense team was given an unusual number of chances, possibly as many as four to meet with DOJ tax investigators and argue why its client should not face charges. Tensions between DOJ tax and the IRS investigators over the strength of the case began after DOJ tax officials started meeting with Hunter Biden's defense lawyers. Rep. Chip Roy asked Garland on Wednesday about whether DOJ tax had the ability to stop a U.S. attorney from proceeding on the case. Garland said, quote, most of the time, but not when the attorney general has granted authority to a U.S. attorney to do what he thinks is best. So. Garland said, yeah, most of the time the tax division could stop that, but not when the attorney general has granted authority to the U.S. attorney to do to do it, which from Garland's testimony previous to Wednesday. And again, I haven't seen all of it from Wednesday, but previous to Wednesday, Garland had said that he gave. Weiss the authority to bring charges wherever he wanted to. But Weiss did not appear to have that authority. And I think that's a, the right way to say it, guys, is right now the test. We haven't heard from Weiss directly. Like he hasn't been in front of a hearing and he's not going to be for a while because he's special counsel. Um, but it we have uh, we have testimony from Garland. We have letters from DOJ and we have the whistleblowers. And right now, I think it's best characterized as it does not appear that Weiss had the authority to charge at that time like he wanted to, which brings Garland's statement into question, whether or not Weiss really did have that authority. Batdorf said he sensed frustration on the team that Weiss had found roadblocks on multiple paths to prosecuting Hunter Biden. Well, that sounds like 
Weiss wants to prosecute Hunter Biden is being stopped, yet Trump and team are kind of, you know, bashing Weiss as the cover-up guy. Quote, I was frustrated. Weiss was probably a little frustrated because he now had to make some decisions on what he was going to do. Then, in the fall of last year, the investigation seemed to stall. Batdorf said the case was effectively dormant from October 2022 until May of this year. During the intervening months, investigators had little else to do except wait for Weiss to make a decision about whether to move the case forward or end it. Weiss did not decide to proceed until Shapley had already begun the process of testifying to Congress about the investigation. Quote, David Weiss made his decision to go forward in May. I'm not sure what drove that decision, Batdorf said. House Republicans have questioned whether it was the decision by Shapley and another IRS investigator, Joseph Ziegler, to share their concerns with Congress. Batdorf said Weiss effectively asked for Shapley's removal from the case in December 2022 after reviewing emails and memos in which Shapley had documented what he claimed was evidence of preferential treatment toward the Biden family. Weiss informed Batdorf and another IRS supervisor that he would no longer be responding to any of Shapley's emails or calls. The decision to remove Shapley's team was made because, Batdorf said, the IRS supervisors feared Weiss would not move forward with the prosecution unless the IRS investigative team was replaced. Oh, just a second, I'm going to take care of that spam. There we go. But because, quote, no more investigative actions remained after an October 7th, 2022 meeting, in which Weiss revealed his difficulties in bringing charges against Hunter Biden in a jurisdiction outside of Delaware, Batdorf did not inform Shapley he was being pulled from the case until May of this year, when Weiss finally arrived at the decision to proceed. So they have the meeting on October 7th, 2022. Between all these teams, that's the meeting where there's notes from Shapley, where he writes notes that... Weiss wanted to be special counsel and was denied. Weiss wanted to bring charges in D.C. and California. The attorneys in those areas wouldn't work with him on it. And so he couldn't bring charges. The way I read him bringing charges in other jurisdictions, um, he does, all U.S. attorneys have the authority to bring charges. My understanding from reading the comments from other U.S. attorneys is that they do have the a power to bring charges in their districts, but you want the U.S. attorney in that district to work with you on it. Like, it needs to be cooperative. And it sounds like he couldn't get cooperation to do it. It's how it, it just reads. Um, and so I kind of think that's what Garland is saying, is that, yeah, he has the authority to bring charges in other districts. And then not acknowledging that the attorneys, he's wanting to work with U.S. attorneys in that district, such as in California, to bring those charges there, and they're not willing to work with them on it. Um, but that October 7th meeting is a, as Steve Bannon would call it, an inflection point in this whole Biden crime family story, where that meeting happens, and it seems like after that, Everything shuts down 
or stalls out because there were no invest more investigative steps. They were ready to bring charges and were being blocked from doing so. Or at least weren't going to have an easy time of, of doing so. If block may not be the right word. So Shapley and Ziegler decide they may need to whistleblow. They go and meet with House investigators in April or May of this year. Weiss, Weiss learns that Shapley and Ziegler, that Shapley is writing these notes and is uh um it's not tenable anymore because Shapley is feeling like there's political influence that's corrupting the case. So Weiss effectively asked for Shapley's removal from the case in December 2022 after reviewing emails and memos in which Shapley had documented what he claimed was evidence of preferential treatment toward the Biden family. So at that point, and I, I think I think we can all understand it, at that point, Shapley has to be removed, right? To protect the case, Shapley has to be removed. And also to allow Shapley the space he needs to whistleblow. So I read when I read this the first time and and also reading it again now, I find myself wondering if Weiss actually did Shapley and the rest of us a favor by removing him from that team so that one Shapley could go whistleblow and and tell house investigators about what was going on and follow up on his his uh his view that that um there was special treatment towards the bias which it seems like there was and then also Weiss could now have that out outside of his office team and he could go forth with these charges without bringing Shapley along Shapley along now next one there is a fourth IRS official who was whistleblowing about the Hunter Biden investigation. Oh, I, I didn't read this very last part. Batdorf also appeared, so careful language here, Batdorf also appeared to confirm that Leslie Wolf, the main prosecutor working on the investigation under Weiss, was removed from the case in May or June of this year. Hunter Biden's leak, see that's great, because we know from the information that Chaplin Ziegler provided, it was Wolf who kept getting in the way, leaking things to, um, leaking things to the Bidens. That's excellent. Yet another thing that shows that Weiss is trying to run a straight up operation and investigation, right? If Weiss was trying to engage in a cover up and protect the Bidens, he would have kept Leslie Wolf on. She was removed in May or June of this year. Hunter Biden, so that so that coincides at the point in which Weiss decides he's going to move forward and indict Hunter Biden, right? Hunter Biden's legal team had worked with Wolf closely in drafting the language of a now withdrawn plea bargain offered to Hunter Biden until she seemingly dropped out of the conversations the New York Times reported in August. Shapley had identified her as a constant obstacle to investigative moves the IRS team wanted to take, such as witness interviews or search warrants. She's removed. Shapley and Ziegler get to go be whistleblowers. Weiss moves forward with charges. He brings the plea agreement, this plea bargain that was a sweetheart deal for Hunter, 
It was worked out with this wolf lady and Hunter Biden's attorneys. Naturally, Hunter Biden's attorneys are trying to get the best deal ever. And Wolf, Leslie Wolf, seemingly is trying to protect the Bidens. So they work out this sweetheart plea deal. And then when they show up in court to make the make the bargain, the judge doing the job judges do, which is go over the plea agreement and make sure both sides understand what it is and what it says, what it means. Boom, we have a problem. Hunter Biden's team thinks it means that Hunter is protected from all charges, everything. He's now fully shielded, scot-free. DOJ attorneys, people part of Weiss's team, in court that day say, nope, this only covers the gun charge and those specific tax charges. You're still under investigation for FAR violations. Hunter Biden's team says, well, then we don't have a deal. No doubt in my mind that if Leslie Wolf was still part of the DOJ team, of the investigative team, she would have said, yep, that's what it means. And Hunter Biden would have got that deal. I swear to God, people, U.S. Attorney Weiss let that plea bargain go into court that day, knowing it would blow up. Because he knew that his prosecutors that were going to be in the courtroom that day we're going to make it clear that that plea bargain did not cover everything. It was always going to blow up. He set that up. I swear to God. Anyway. Fourth IRS official. That was a misclick. A fourth IRS official has told Congress about roadblocks that now special counsel David Weiss faced last year in attempting to bring charges against Hunter Biden outside his district in Delaware. Daryl Walden, the former IRS special agent in charge of the agency's Washington field office. So the last guy was a supervisor. This guy is an IRS special agent in charge of the, of the Washington field office told the House Ways and Means Committee in a closed-door interview earlier this month about a number of challenges he witnessed during his two years on the case, according to a transcript of the interview obtained by the Washington Examiner. Walden also discussed the IRS's decision to remove a whistleblower, Gary Shapley, and the rest, I need to say Shapley, I think, the rest of Shapley's IRS investigative team from the Hunter Biden investigation after Weiss stated he was no longer on speaking terms with Shapley. See, that characterization, no longer on speaking terms, that makes it sound like they don't like each other and like Shapley messed up or Weiss feels exposed by Shapley's testimony or whatever. I think it's more so that as soon as Weiss learned that Shapley was setting up memos and emails and was picking up on the political influence within the investigation, Weiss needed to stop talking to him because he needed, he, he needed Shapley to go whistleblow. All right. Quote, Mr. Weiss went to the U S attorney's office. I can't recall the dates. This is the Daryl Walden guy. Mr. Weiss went to the U S attorney's office. I can't recall the dates and they did not agree to prosecute the case in DC. That tells you right there that Weiss wanted to work with the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. to prosecute Hunter Biden. 
And when they said, no, we're not going to work with you on that. Weiss was unwilling to go forth without that, that cooperation. Walden, who in February took another job within the IRS that moved him away from the Hunter Biden case. See, here's another guy who moved away from it, and now he can whistleblow on it. I'm aware that it was presented to the District of Columbia at some point. This, it was to the, and to the Central District of California, I believe. No, 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 E.H. Kyle. No, no, no. It's not that the wolf, it, the wolf deal got blown up. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. It was the wolf deal that got blown up. It wasn't Weiss's deal. That's, yeah, that's right. That's right. You got it. I misread your comment at first. Um, okay, Walden was one of several officials from the IRS, FBI, and U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware who attended that October 7th, 2022 meeting that Shapley has described as a turning point in the investigation. Although Walden did not dispute the accuracy of the notes that Shapley sent in an email shortly after the meeting, he did disagree with Shapley's description of the meeting as contentious, and he said he did not independently recall some of the issues Shapley had included in his notes. For example, Walden said he recalled conversations about the options Weiss had left to move the case forward, but said he did not remember Weiss specifically requesting to become special counsel. So here we go, guys. We have a bit of a conflict between witness testimony from people who were in the same room together in the same meeting. And they have a, a bit of a different view of how that meeting went. And it's going to be up to us to discern as best we can which one is more accurate. It does help that Shapley took notes, contemporaneous notes, right? Um, but if it's true that if, if Walden's remembering of this meeting is more accurate and that Weiss did not specifically request to become a special counsel, then all of a sudden these contradictions between Weiss, the letters and Weiss and Garland and the things they've said make a lot more sense. They kind of gel, they gel better. Personally, I'm, my impression, my hypothesis is that Weiss did not request. I think maybe the, the, the topic of special counsel came up and Shapley interpreted it as Weiss had requested and been denied. But I think it just came up and that wasn't exactly what was said. And that I, th I think that Weiss waited for everything to blow up, knowing that it would because Wolf had, had messed up his investigation. And he needed to get her off of there. So I think he timed it to where it blows up this summer and then he can ask to become a special counsel. And in the and what happened in the letter where he asked to be special counsel, or no, the letter before it, um, there's a phrase where they said, and I, I posted this on social media when it happened, when he was made special counsel, that Weiss said that he was fine continuing and if something changed in the investigation that he would ask to be special counsel and then he did and that happened after that deal that that sweetheart deal that Wolf had set up as E.H. Kyle described it was the Wolf deal not the Weiss deal um, after that blew up that's what changed quote generally I don't find it to be contentious as contentious as Mr. Shapley had stated 
There were certainly differences of opinion expressed, but that's typical. Walden said his response to Shapley at the time of the meeting last fall was that, quote, he agreed to what generally happened in the meeting. Walden, who was above Shapley and another IRS whistleblower, Joseph Ziegler, on the IRS chain of command, had no role in the Hunter Biden investigation until years after it began. Upon taking a new job atop the Washington field office in April 2021, which placed him in a supervisory role on the Hunter Biden case, Walden testified that he heard from Shapley about investigative steps that Shapley felt the Justice Department or certain prosecutors had blocked him from taking, such as asking witnesses about other members of the Biden family or executing at least one search warrant. But Walden also felt that Shapley's attempts to blame those roadblocks on political bias were unsubstantiated. Walden said he did not recall learning from the U.S. Attorney in California, who was appointed by President Joe Biden, decided not to allow Wise to charge Hunter Biden in the district. However, he did say he believed in the strength of the case. So Walden doesn't recall when, he doesn't recall learning when the U.S. Attorney in California decided not to allow Weiss to charge Hunter Biden in his district. So again, there's an instance where Weiss wants to bring charges. And another U.S. attorney is like, nah, not in my district. I don't want to work with that. I don't want to do that. Walden says the strength, the, the case is strong, though. Quote, generally speaking, if at that time the case went to the Central District of California, I would have agree, agreed with it. Wild Boar's down there saying he doesn't like, he doesn't trust Huber. What the world? <laughs> Whatever, dude. Their involvement drew the, drew the scrutiny because Attorney General Merrick Garland... Uh, wait, wait. Okay, that's unimportant. The involvement drew scrutiny because Attorney General Merrick Garland and others have frequently pointed to the fact that the Hunter Biden case is in the hands of a U.S. attorney that Joe Biden did not appoint. Ins insinuating or insulating it from bias. But Joe Biden appointed U.S. attorneys appear to have placed significant limitations on how far the case could proceed for nearly a year. Looks like Weiss is trying to bring this stuff forth, and it's Joe Biden U.S. attorneys blocking him. Walden said Weiss's problem with Shapley led to his decision to remove the investigative team that Shapley oversaw. Quote, the U.S. attorney's office was no longer working or talking with Mr. Shapley, and there was no immediate, I didn't think that there would, it would be resolved quickly. And in order to move the investigation forward, I recommend that, you know, he be removed so that he could continue or we could continue to push the investigation forward. Batdorf, Walden's supervisor, also said he felt that Shapley's continued presence on the team might dissuade Weiss from advancing the case. Both said Weiss's tensions with Shapley reached a boiling point after the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office demanded all of the emails and record, written yeah, records written by the IRS investigative team that could be relative to, relevant to the court. Shapley told Congress this spring that he felt the effort amounted to a fishing expedition aimed at uncovering the complaints about the case that he documented for months, although Walden and Batdorf did not characterize the discovery request that way. Some Justice Department officials have argued that seeking permission from a fellow U.S. attorney to charge a defendant in a jurisdiction outside one's own is standard Practice for prosecutors. However, Garland had stated unequivocally that Weiss had all the authority he needed 
to bring criminal charges in any district he wanted months ago and that he did not appear to become that did not appear to become accurate until Weiss requested a special counsel appointment in August. So now we have testimony from four people. And I think gels I think things gel just a little bit better with the third and the fourth fourth person coming forth and describing that same meeting. I think I think it clarifies a few things and it it indicates to me that Weiss is on the up and up. And it indicates to me that Garland isn't lying. I don't care what you say, Wild Boar. Um, I don't think Garland is is uh, lying. I think Garland is being very, very careful with what he says. And I think he has to be very, very careful with what he says and how he characterizes things. Um, yeah. The third and the fourth whistleblowers have increased my positive view of U.S. Attorney Weiss. And then you combine that with Trump and team trying to uh, give some narrative shielding to him. Feels good. All right. Um, what time is it? 11.10. Okay, I got a little bit of time left. Let's go. I may have to skip some stuff. Yeah, let me... I want to I save that for last. I want to save that for last. Uh, the Gates and McCarthy thing went great. Republicans. The last I heard on it is that... Uh, one, Jamie Raskin says a shutdown is inevitable. The uh, the die is cast. Politico is uh, they've already set the headline. Republicans are resigned to being the villains and the inevitable government shutdown. That's what they're going. to... I was talking about this on Devolution Power Hour. They're always going to uh, any kind of shutdown. They're going to make Republicans the villain as much as possible, and they're going to do lots of sob stories about how people are out of work and struggling to buy food and medicine. It's going to be all that same junk. Um, but Matt Gates and McCarthy are both working for Trump and they both engaged in this theater battle, just the theatrical battle. And it looks to have been resolved. Maybe as of last uh, of yesterday, it sounds like the strategy is now they're going to bring up individual appropriation bills next week but they're probably not going to be able to vote on any of them until Tuesday because of the holiday. And so it seems like a shutdown is inevitable. And then they're going to open up and vote bill by bill. I don't know. It's a bunch of theater though. And, um, I saw some posts about like saying that Gates won Gates beat McCarthy McCarthy lost. I think they both won. Honestly, I think they both won. And that means that Trump won. So the whole point of the theater is to put on a show and they've put on a show and I liked, I liked what BB said. Um, the ongoing Kabuki, the Kabuki theater in the house this week is fun. When you consider the fact that Kevin McCarthy was literally Donald Trump's pick for speaker in 20 or in the previous Congress and this Congress and that Matt Gates and the Freedom Caucus are his de facto representation. So McCarthy versus Gates is about drawing the eye of the collective mind onto the process of congressional deal making. While McCarthy continues to make public statements in favor of sovereign America first rhetoric and philosophy, you can't help it. McCarthy's out there preaching America first principles. 
but media on the right tend to ignore all of that because they're just addicted to hating him. Gates and company are holding his feet to the narrative fire by refusing to budge. They hold the stance that any aid to the Nazi proxy state of Ukraine is contrary to the will of the American people. And that said people are going to see the uniparty establishment work to circumvent the Freedom Caucus in order to be ordered to come to a bipartisan agreement on just how strongly to endorse said Nazis. And I, I agree with this. McCarthy is granted narrative shielding by Gates, allowing him to actually start forwarding America first policy. You got to look at the net effects here. And that leads me to the narrative shift. And there's a lot here and I'm just going to like rapid fire through this stuff. Okay. This is just going to be like, boom, 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 boom. I'm not going to spend any like dedicated time on any of these articles. I really just want to hit each one because the narrative is shifting. You may remember a couple weeks ago, um, on defected, it was like the, I think it was the show right before the event in Cocoa beach. I was talking about watch for the narrative shift in the media when it comes to Ukraine. And then, and, and BB was too. And the very next day, the New York times read an article saying that or asking the question, where's all the money going? There are problems with this. And then Poland starts questioning about whether or not it's worth it. Um, and we we're starting to get the shift. Um, Burning Bright right here says it's impossible to see the timing of the turn on Ukraine by the globalist West as coincidental in light of Zelensky's coming appearance at the White House on Thursday. Ukraine is now being shunned by its staunchest supporter within the EU bloc as Poland has not only subtly threatened Belarus and Russia throughout the year, but pledged the most steadfast support for Ukrainian refugees and exports, particularly grain, throughout the entire conflict. That said, parliamentary elections are just a few weeks away in Poland, and a nationalist turn is already being affected, with rising leaders referring to Ukraine as a, quote, drowning man, and Poland as a de facto and wary life raft. Polish citizens grew tired of the influx of migrants a year ago, and now Polish farmers are seeing their own incomes threatened due to competition with cheap Ukrainian wheat. And this is a day after the New York Times did an about-face on its pro-Ukraine propaganda. The deep state call has gone out. The strings on Zelensky are cut. Richard Grinnell, yesterday. It was yesterday? Yeah. Why is Zelensky asking Donald Trump for a peace plan and not Joe Biden? Now, this is a little... um. This is a little bit of fake news, guys. If you go and listen to the interview, it's not like Zelensky is like, oh, please, Donald Trump, please give me the peace plan. I, like, It's still worth pointing out. I love that Richard Grinnell did this. I'm just letting you guys know that if you go through the interview, um, especially with the translator, it doesn't come across as... Um, like Zelensky reaching out for help. It's still worth it though. I still like it. Uh, quote, he Trump can publicly share his idea now, not waste time, not to lose people and say, my formula is to stop the war and stop all this tragedy and stop Russian aggress aggression. Zelensky told CNN. 
Quote, and he said how he sees it, how to push Russia from our land. Otherwise, he's not presenting the global idea of peace. Zelensky added, so if the idea is how to take the part of our territory and give Putin, that is not the peace formula. So he's saying that he wants all of, he doesn't want to give Russia anything. He just wants Russia to leave. During a Sunday interview on NBC Meet the Press, Trump was asked about his deal about whether his deal would allow Russia to keep Ukrainian land it had captured. Trump said, no, no, I'd make a fair deal for everybody. No, I'd make it fair. You know, that's something that could have been negotiated because there were certain parts, Crimea and other parts of the country that a lot of people expected could happen. You could, you could have a deal. So they, they could have made a deal where there's lesser territory right now than Russia's already taken, to be honest. Zelensky is in the U.S. primarily to speak to the U.N. and Joe Biden and a whole bunch of corporations. That's not in the article, but that's tr also true. Um, Zelensky says, we are on the finishing line, I'm sure of that, which is not true. <laughs> not true at all. I mean, Russia's on the finishing line. Uh, by the way, Russia hit like five or so Ukrainian cities with missile strikes or artillery strikes. Why? While Zelensky has been in the U.S. Um Russia could destroy Ukraine at any moment if they wanted to, but they don't want to. All right, now here's the next narrative shift, and this I think this is pretty important. 29 GOP lawmakers have warned the White House on Ukraine aid as Zelensky visits Washington. Quote, We are in receipt of your August 10th, 2023 request for additional supplemental appropriations in which you ask Congress to provide another $24 billion in security, economic, and humanitarian assistance related to the war in Ukraine. Your request cites President Biden's pledge that, quote, we will stand with Ukraine as it defends its sovereignty for as long as it takes. Punchbowl News has received a background quote from a senior administration official stating, stating that the White House, quote, won't be bashful about going back to Congress beyond the first quarter of next year. He stated that the official stresses this funding request, the $24 billion, is for the first quarter only. These statements imply an open-ended commitment to supporting the war in Ukraine of an indeterminate nature based on a strategy that is unclear to achieve a goal yet to be articulated to the public or to Congress. The American people deserve to know what their money has gone to. How is the counteroffensive going? Are the Ukrainians any closer to victory than they were six months ago? What is our strategy and what is the president's exit plan? What does the administration define as victory in Ukraine? What assistance has the United States provided Ukraine under Title X? It would be absurd. It would be an absurd abdication of congressional responsibility to grant this request without knowing the answers to these questions. For these reasons, and certainly until we receive answers to the questions above and others forthcoming, we oppose the additional expenditure for war in Ukraine included in your request. Wall Street Journal carried this story. More evidence that the media is turning on the war in Ukraine. Here is the letter 
and JD Vance is like the primary person pushing this. It's I think he wrote it maybe. And um he's the one who posted it on on Twitter, now X. But you got 29 uh senators and representatives who have signed this. So and I think this is going to grow. The amount of people that are that are signing on to this and saying, "No, nah, we're not going to we're we're not going to give Ukraine more money until we get answers to these very very good questions." So they're turning. I'm not sure how much more money uh, Ukraine is going to get. Biden has announced, though. Now, remember what that letter say. That letter said that Biden was asking Congress to approve $24 billion. Well, yesterday, Biden announces $325 million in an aid package to Ukraine after meeting with Zelensky. Capping his visit, which included meetings and discussions with lawmakers and Pentagon officials, Zelensky met with Biden at the White House before the $325 million plan was unveiled. According to the DOD, the package includes anti-tank weapons, air defense, artillery rounds, and other equipment to meet Ukraine's needs. So I think these are two different deals. One of them has to do with military stuff. The other one was economic aid, right? The bigger $24 billion one. But... I I just I just feel like this would probably be bigger if Congress wasn't already turning on the whole thing. We'll see. Is there anything else I want to play? No, there's not. Okay. Next. Speak Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. Sometimes it's good to go and uh look at what deep staters are saying about stuff. This is pathetic. Speaker McCarthy doesn't deserve to have a portrait of Ronald Reagan in his office. Under his leadership, House GOP has abandoned everything Reagan stood for. More evidence that McCarthy is doing a fantastic job in Congress. That's what that is. All right. We also got this moment. And I'm going to, yeah, check this out. Oh, yeah. I have y'all's audio turned off. Hold up. Hold up. Where did it go? This is loud, so I'm going to dial it down. This is, Biden just like sits there. Let me zoom in on this. And just sits there and lets the press yell questions at him. And Zelensky's like, what is going on? Thank you all very You can hear the press official trying to, okay, everyone, thank you, everybody, bye-bye, it's over now, go away. She can, you can hear that lady just telling everybody to leave, and Biden's Linsky are just sitting there like, uh, what is going on? Aren't you concerned that you're losing Poland as a friend? 
Did you hear that question from that guy? That guy just said, aren't you upset you're losing Poland as a friend? Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Thank you all. <laughs> anyway. I just I find it humorous. They're just they're just getting berated by questions like that. The press is turning hostile. Um, and then Biden right here, he is straight up. He had, he is so controlled, dude. He is so scripted. And I'm not one of those Biden is fake. I don't believe Biden. It's a fake Biden. I don't believe Biden is being played by an actor. I don't believe that somebody in a mask. I don't give a damn about the ears. None of that. But I do believe Biden is very, very scripted in everything he does. And earlier this week at the UN General Assembly, I made it clear that uh, that no nation can be truly secure in the world if, in fact, we don't stand up and defend the freedom of Ukraine uh, from the face of this Russian brutality and aggression. You hear all that room noise? All that room noise is because he's talking so low and weakly that they can't hear him. So the mics have the gain all the way up trying to like, trying to catch what he's saying. And he's just reading off a card with like no projection whatsoever. And you can hear the room noise actually increase. The UN General Assembly, I made it clear that, uh, that no nation be truly secure in the world if, in fact, we don't stand up and defend the freedom of Ukraine uh, from the face of this Russian brutality and aggression. And earlier, this and Zelensky just—he looks so uncomfortable. He looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> All right. Also, also, Zelensky met with the head of Mossad at the UN. <laughs> At the UN in New York, Zelensky gave Mossad director David Barnia a warm hug, sparking rumors that the two men are acquainted and frequently interact. I don't know who Mint Press News is. Maybe this is totally wrong, but I think it's hilarious. It just It's like, of course he did. Of course Zelensky met with the head of Mossad while he's in the UN, while he's in New York for the UN. He's meeting with Biden. He's meeting with Congress. He's meeting with the UN. He's meeting with Mossad. He met with Kevin McCarthy, and what did Car McCarthy do? He denied Zelensky's request to speak to Congress about getting more aid. What's that? I thought, I thought Kevin McCarthy was a baddie. That's what the media tells me. Vladimir Zelensky met House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on Thursday. The Ukrainian president urged Capitol Hill lawmakers to stay strong and support Kiev after Poland yanked its weapons supply. McCarthy and Zelensky met behind closed doors after the speaker rejected pleas for a joint address to Congress. Congress has already authorized more than $110 billion to Kiev since Putin's invasion. And some members of the GOP, GOP have warned the White House they will oppose the next request of $24 billion. And of course... As if this couldn't get any more fun. Zelensky met privately with BlackRock CEO Larry Fink to discuss funding for Ukraine. He also met with William Ackman, the head of Pershing Square Capital, Ken Griffin, the CEO of Citadel, 
Jonathan Gray, CEO of Blackstone, and Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google, to raise money for Ukraine. So it's like, of course he did. He's just like confirming all of all the things that we think about the globalist and the deep state and the war profiteers, et cetera, et cetera. Zelensky's just doing a tour of the swamp. <laughs> Vladimir Zelensky holds secret New York City meeting with private equity bosses at JP Morgan, Google, and Blackstone to discuss rebuilding war-torn Ukraine. Also, at the same time, this is right before, right before he left Ukraine, he sacked six deputy defense ministers amid mounting corruption scandals. And this goes along with Kolomoisky being arrested and all of the cases that went over on Devolution Power Hour, which, by the way, Green Star made a clip of that segment from the Devolution Power Hour where we talked about Kolomoisky. I'm going to share those clips later on my social media. So if you guys... If you're looking to share some of some good, like really good Badlands content, if I do say so myself, um, and the news about Colin Moisky, we have we have two clips coming out. I'm gonna post them this afternoon. Oh yeah, I forgot to include this. Special counsel Weiss opposes Hunter Biden appearing virtually. He's gonna have to appear in person on the felony gun charge. Uh when is that first appearance? I've already forgotten. When is that first appearance? I don't remember. I'll look it up. I thought it was going to say right there. Maybe I missed it. Reading, reading, reading. Where... Biden's request like videos. Is it maybe Mermaid? Good morning. Maybe it is October third. That sounds right. But that's also the day that SBF's trial starts. So I don't. I could be confusing those, but that sounds right to me. But it may just be because SBF's trial is in my mind. I, th I think it's next week or the week after. Night Wars, right? You say the twenty eighth. That could be correct. So that's that's the day before the impeachment inquiry hearing, right? All this, there's so much stuff to keep track of. Um, so after all of that stuff I showed you, Howard76 says, isn't it today? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, after all that stuff I just showed you and how the narrative shift and all of this stuff is happening, Pam Tate says October 3rd over on Red Pill, on uh, Pilled, uh, Biden, made, Biden made this post, like this slow walking, totally like, way overdone, slow-mo walking together in unison, etc. Uh <laughs> can't even take it seriously. So oh yay, another troll to mute mute forever. Bye bye. Everything's running together. Okay, let's get to uh this is gonna be the last thing today. This will be the final one. The chair 
of the Council of the Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency, CIGIE, announced the selection of the Honorable Robert P. Storch, the Defense Department of Defense Inspector General, or DODIG, as the lead Inspector General for Operation Atlantic Resolve. In that capacity, Inspector General Storch will work closely with the other lead IG partner oversight offices, the Department of State, the U.S. Agency for International Development, to deliver comprehensive and effective oversight of the wider U.S. response to Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. The lead IG designation will take effect on October 18, 2023. On July 13, 2023, the President of the United States issued Executive Order 14102, ordering the selected reserve and certain members of individual ready reserve of the armed forces to active duty. EO 14102 authorized the Secretary of Defense to order reserve units and individuals to active duty for the effective conduct of OAR, that is Operation Atlantic Resolve, in and around the U.S. European Command Area of Responsibility. On August 18, 2023, the Secretary of the Army issued the first activation orders for OAR, resulting in the operation becoming contingency operation as a matter of law. Upon the commencement of such contingency operations, and pursuant to 5 U.S. Fort 19 B1, the CIGIE chairperson is responsible for designating a lead IG to provide comprehensive oversight and reporting over all aspects of the operation. Atlantic Resolve dates back to 2014, when the United States began an effort to bolster the NATO alliance in the wake of Russian military actions in Ukraine. Since Russia's full-scale invasion in February of 2022, the mission has grown, with the U.S. Congress appropriating $113 billion for security, economic, and humanitarian assistance to Ukraine and other countries affected by the war. Hold up. Taking care of that. U.S. European command operations and related support for U.S. military and operations of other U.S. government agencies involved in the Ukraine response. Inspector General Storch stated, The selection of the DOD OIG as the lead Inspector General for Operation Atlantic Resolve reflects our steadfast commitment to transparent and comprehensive oversight of DOD security assistance in and around U.S. European command area of responsibility, including Ukraine. Our organization has served as the lead IG for eight overseas contingency operations, and we are well prepared for this new assignment. In carrying out this responsibility, I look forward to continuing our strong collaboration with our partners at state and U.S. aid OIGs, as well as the larger oversight community community as we conduct this critical work for U.S. taxpayers. Now, why in the world would I be reading to you all about Robert Storch and his new appointment as the lead IG? It's because Robert Storch is back in the news again for this, and he, I know this is crazy, I mean, I know that coincidences don't mean anything, right? But Robert Storch is in the news on the Delta 
the day after plus one of the drops that include only drops that include him. Robert Storch has mentioned in three drops. Um, there is one right here, but it's a different Storch. So if you search Storch in the drops, you'll get four drops returned, but this one is a different person right here. Okay. Number 429. The other drops are 2211, 2230, and 2232. They were posted on September 19th and September 20th. Well, this news of Robert Storch's appointment comes one day after that. So we have a Delta plus one five years later. And I just don't think it's a coincidence that Robert Storch is in the news with a new appointment on a, on a de Delta plus one, which by the time these drops came out, I believe Q had posted that they were ahead by one day. Um, so Storch is in these drops and he's in the news. And if you're not familiar with Storch, I did a thread. I shared this. Um, I shared this on True Social and on Telegram yesterday. I covered Robert Storch back when he was appointed to be the IG of the DOD, who hadn't had an IG in seven years. The DOD had been without an IG for seven years, and then Robert Storch gets picked. There's a video clip of it. There's a thread. You can go and look at it, and I go through who Robert Storch is and some of the deltas and everything. But I want to go to this drop or some of these drops right here because um, as relates to this specific appointment Robert Storch overseeing or investigating being the inspector general for operation Atlantic resolve, which was the entire response to Russia and the support of NATO and money going to Ukraine. Robert Storch has been doing a lot of work in Ukraine and he visited either right before or right after Kolomoisky was arrested. And he, they have found he's found some stuff in Ukraine. There's, there's been reports um, from the website. They have a website just for Ukraine oversight, and he's only been there for like nine months now. Um, so, like, I can't say that there's anything major, major that he's uncovered yet. Um, but he has done some work, and he's giving updates on it. You can go right here at the department. You go to dodig.mil and then go to the Ukraine section. This is where it has oversight updates, what investigations are going on and what's completed. I remember at one time he asked, he said that it was uh, like one of the first updates he gave was that there isn't enough inspectors. We need more people over here monitoring where this aid is going. Um, but if you want to review some of the work he's done, you can go here and look at it. It's fairly vague. I will say fairly vague, but maybe we'll learn more. But the drop that I really like, this is as connects to the news today is 2232 because it says faster than, you know, that will soon change regarding visibility. Public interest forces the sun to shine. Why are we here? I like this forces the sun to shine that there's going to be transparency from this. Now, Storch, I think, is a really important person. The drops tell you he's really important because they tell you that the investigation in D.C. 
like the swamp catching investigation went from Huber to IG Horowitz and then to Storch. Storch has gone from, he was at NSA. He was appointed by Trump to be the NSA inspectors general. And then now he's gone to, he's a Trump guy. Now he's gone over to DOD. But this drop here is one of my favorites in all of the drops. And uh, there's many reasons for that. I'd like to go over it right now. Uh, take this opportunity to read it because I want to point a few things out. This drop is 2211 says, how about a nice game of chess? IG Horowitz, Justice Department IG, his speech regarding whistleblowers. And then there is a link to it. Chairman of the Council of the Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency. Guess who that was? Robert Storch. Since 2015, he has simultaneously served as the chair of Council of Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency, an organization comprised of all 73 federal inspectors general. Think yesterday what was learned. Robert Storch confirmed NSA IG, and it gives a link. And if you go to that link, oh, it doesn't work anymore. Never mind. I won't worry about it right now. I'll, there's an archive leak of it anyway. First presidentially appointed IG for NSA. Trump did that. Department of Justice background. Is it important? Federal prosecutor in the Northern District of New York as background. Is that important? Yes, it is. Chairman of the Council of the Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency background. Important? Quote, Prior to joining NSA, Mr. Storch served in several positions at the Department of Justice's OIG, including as senior counsel to the IG and acting deputy IG prior to his 2015 appointment as deputy IG. He also served as chairman of the Council of the Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency, whistleblower ombudsman working group. So he was specifically dealing with whistleblowers. The whistleblower ombudsman program he helped establish is widely seen as a leader in the field. Quote, earlier in his career, Mr. Storch also worked as a federal prosecutor in the Northern District of New York, most recently serving as the deputy criminal chief and counsel to the U.S. attorney. He was also posted overseas for two years as Department of Justice resident legal advisor in Ukraine. Vehicle for cross-sharing of department-to-department -department info. Re-Inspectors General. Q is asking, is Robert Storch a vehicle for cross-sharing of department-to-department -department info about Inspectors General? How about with the Council of Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency? Quote, the CIGIE is comprised of all inspectors general whose offices are established under Section 2 or Section 8G of the Inspector General Act of 1978, those that are presidentially appointed and Senate confirmed, and those that are appointed by agency heads and designated federal entities. How might Q, and Q now ask, how might this benefit possible ongoing investigations across inter and intra federal agencies? Huber, to Horowitz, to Storch. U.S. Attorney 
a prosecutor, to DOJ FBI general investigator. So that's Huber. Is a US, was a U.S. attorney. To DOJ FBI inspector general, that would be Horowitz. To signals intelligence and information assurance products and services. NSA being pushed since the beginning is the question. He says, logical thinking, the experts. And then Q switches voices here. This is one of those, I love this drop because this is one of those drops where it's like Q changes between giving you direct information with quotes and links to then giving you an equation the process of how things are moving and also asking you questions. And then right here, he Q switches voice again to where he's kind of mocking, um, mocking the naysayers, mocking the black pillars and the doomers by asking these questions. And then he gives, he gives an answer that negates the black pilling and dooming. And this is going to be your we're, mermaid is going to know mermaid probably already knows why this is one of my favorite drops because it, the, my favorite parts coming up here. Logical thinking. It's almost like a new drop begins right here. Not quite, but almost the experts. The experts are the ones who are asking, but sessions should appoint a second special counsel in DC, AKA the corrupt swamp. But Sessions should appoint a second special counsel in D.C., a.k.a. the Krupp Swamp, team of less than 20 typically, and wait two to four years, take a gamble. So, like, the butt part is like, uh, like, uh, um, this isn't going to work, whatever. Sessions is a bad guy. Trump fired Sessions, all that kayfabe. <laughs> Nana Tulip says, greetings from Alabama. That's funny. That's well-timed for Sessions appearing right here. Um, Sessions should appoint a second special counsel in D.C., a.k.a. the corrupt swamp. Sessions should appoint a second counsel in D.C., a.k.a. the corrupt swamp, with a team of less than 20, typically. Wait two to four years and then take a gamble. Sessions should appoint a second counsel in D special counsel in D.C., a.k.a. the corrupt swamp, because unlike... The Clinton email corrupt case, as demonstrated by the FBI and DOJ people, fired or removed. So who was removed back then that had a connection to the Clinton email case? I mean, we're talking about Strzok, McCabe, Page, a bunch of other people, and they are now gone. This one, this special counsel, a second one appointed in D.C. by Sessions, this will be conducted faithfully and honestly like Mueller. That's right. The drops say that the Mueller special counsel was conducted faithfully and honestly. Kayfabe. Kayfabe. Been saying it the whole time. The Mueller special counsel was never after Trump. The media on the left wanted it to be after Trump. 
wanted Mueller to get Trump? No. Mueller is a patriot. He had some swampy people and corrupt people working for him in the special counsel. They're no longer working. <laughs> they're, they're gone now. Like Weissman. And when Mueller didn't get Trump, quote unquote, the media had to switch and contort a narrative. Oh, well, it must be because Bill Barr protected Trump. Because they can't go back and accept that Mueller wasn't their guy like they thought he was. And then Trump maintains, oh, the Mueller special counsel, it's a witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. Trump's not the witch. The witch is Hillary Clinton. The drops tell you that Mueller, the Mueller special counsel was conducted faithfully and honestly. Next line. Huber was not directly interviewed or has not directly interviewed several witnesses. Therefore, the appointment of Huber by Sessions and therefore the IG is not genuine. Sessions and Huber are following standard DOJ open slash ongoing investigation policy by not discussing, meaning making public. So therefore, nothing must be happening, right? Boom, we got to fire Sessions. Session sets so much stuff in play, guys, but it's not public because it's open and ongoing investigations and they're keeping it all quiet. Huber, his ability to prosecute and impanel a grand jury outside of D.C., 90% plus of those in D.C. voted HRC in 2016. So it has to be outside of D.C. Who already, Huber, who already began the investigations late last year, that'd be 2017, with a signed team of 470 investigators, read attorneys, plus the IG, plus legal jurisdiction across all 50 states, is not a special counsel. So therefore, nothing's being done, right? POTUS is attacking Sessions via Twitter. So therefore, he is not working on behalf of the people's interest or POTUS, right? These left, the Democrats, the left love, trust Sessions. By, by Trump and Sessions engaging in a fake fight, it drives Trump's opponents to then support Sessions. And the same type of techniques works both ways. It's reverse psychology. Interestingly, if nothing is being done behind the scenes, why are so many FBI and DOJ senior officials being fired and or removed from their respective positions of power? Who is the attorney general? Who must sign off on each removal? Is DOJ in charge of the FBI? Interestingly, if nothing is being done behind the scenes, why are there 50,000 plus sealed indictments across the U.S.? What percentage equal USA versus unknown? Check the coincidence versus when Huber started. Interestingly, if nothing is being done behind the scenes, why are so many powerful CEOs, members of Congress and the Senate, resigning? Is that a coincidence? Example, pre-POTUS, did the Speaker of the House indicate wanting to leave politics? 
Interestingly, if nothing is being done behind the scenes, why are human trafficking arrests surging? Nothing to see here. Q. There's lots about this drop, which make it my favorite. It's the kayfabe that's in it. It's Huber being secretly appointed. It's Sessions. It's the confirmation of Mueller being a patriot because he's an original band member. Him and Trump have known each other for a very, very long time. Just like Trump has known basically so many people, so many people involved in all of this. And... Oh, I love this drop. Also, it bringing up the 50,000 in sealed indictments. I just, want to, I just want to make a quick point of clarification about that. Um, there are various charts that, going, that have gone around over the years showing how many sealed whatever there are. And they overcount. Like they'll say there's 200,000, 300,000 sealed indictments. That's not, they're not all sealed indictments. Some of them are sealed filings, sealed search warrants, et cetera. Um, sealed motions. It doesn't, everything sealed doesn't make it in a, that you see on those spreadsheets and when it doesn't, it doesn't make it an indictment. But the drops say 50,000 plus. That's what the drops say. So that's what I stick with is like how, when I get the question occasionally, how many sealed indictments are there? And I say, uh, eh, 50,000 plus. That's what the drops say. But then what Q asked everybody to do is to check the percentage of those that are USA versus a sealed defendant. You have to do that to get a sense of how many of them are federal cases, such as what would come from Huber or some other prosecutor and against the swamp. And from that, you can deduce approximately how many indictments this has up with it and it's a lot yeah that's right iowa trump good morning to you that it's still a lot yeah it's a huge number um there's so much in this drop it's dropped 2211 it mentions storch who's in the news again um buster lou there's various sites that track it um hold on just a moment let me see if the one that i used to have bookmarked is still working Because I feel like one of one of those that people were tracking doesn't work anymore. There used to be a website that had a that was ongoing, continuously updated, and uh, let's see. I'm looking, I'm looking. Yeah, the one I used to use doesn't, the link doesn't work anymore. I don't know if it was removed or uh, Google may have removed it because I think it was like a Google spreadsheet, like it was in Google Docs. 
you don't see it. I may look later today and see if I can find something good um, that will have it. Um, hey, John Otter, does QAnon.pub have a link to the sealed indictments on there? I have to admit, it's actually been quite a while since I've gone and looked at it. Yeah, I don't, I don't see anything on there. It's out there somewhere. If I can find it, I'll post it later today. Um, I just, but the one I used to use, which I haven't checked in like a year or more, um, is no longer working. Okay. Just about the end of the show, but there were some rants and stuff that I missed earlier. So let me, let me spend a few minutes going over those. Um, yeah, that's right. See, I, I had that. I used to go there too, Cat uh, Cat Girl eighty eight over on Pilled. She mentions that uh, the chart link that was part of CAG Q A G G CAG is now offline, and that used to be one of the places I went. There was there was one that was like a Google Docs that I I'd used. I had bookmarked, and it doesn't work anymore. And then there was CAG had one, but that guy he shut it down because it was you know, it, it takes a lot to run those websites. You're constantly under attack and uh, whatnot. So. Um, he need he needed to uh shut it down. That was a great site. CAG and Q Alerts are my favorite places to go. CAG was really really great for deltas because you and also Twitter accounts because there was um there were check there were boxes you could check for which tweets you wanted to see from which people and accounts, and then you could uh more easily find the deltas whenever like Trump and Scavino and Q all posted at the same time or things like that. Or when like Trump, Scavino, Flynn, um, and then one of the military branches all posted about a similar thing at the same time. Um, it was really good for that kind of thing. Um, and then also he had added true social to it. So you could get, Trump's truth social stuff on there. That was so cool. Have a great day, Howard. But Q alerts, I like Q alerts the best for looking at the drops because it just, it just looks so nice. The site runs really cleanly. And I also like, um, I've said this before that on Q alerts.app, you can easily see the deltas right here. So you can check yesterday's delta and you can check today's which yesterday's had a lot of fire ones. And I find that to be a really good way to review the drops is to just every day go and see what deltas there. So like today, today's a delta for this drop, which mentions business insider, Nancy Pelosi faces criticism over book and Q and on post. And then it cites past seven days and there's a Bing search. And then Q says, have you ever witnessed a full blown international mainstream media, constant barrage and counterattack?" regarding a conspiracy simple logic answers the question and so it's an easy way to like refresh on drops 
and uh, and to learn about them or learn about them for the first time is just to each day check what drop was dropped on that day years ago. Here's one about John Solomon. So tomorrow has all of these. Um, Clinton here, system of control, showing the families, Brown, Pelosi, Newsom, Getty. There's a lot of Deltas tomorrow. There's a lot. Mueller interference narrative. So anyway, those are, I like, I like Q alerts quite a bit. Okay, let me check pilled because um, I want to make sure I don't miss it. Let's see. Easy three cents says article. Ah, I just lost it. Article says Hunter's date is scheduled for Tuesday, September 26th. Okay, thank you. So next Tuesday is when Hunter's supposed to be in the uh, in the courtroom in person. Yay. Should be fun. Should be It should be really fun because uh, last I checked, Hunter's attorneys are trying to say that the previous plea agreement as regards the gun charge is still in effect. And that's what they want. <laughs> and uh, Weiss is like, no, nah, I don't think so. So it'll be interesting. It could be an interesting appearance um, where Hunter's attorneys try to say they already have an agreement and DOJ is uh, refusing to go along with it. Um, Sergeant Sparky has a blinky eye emoji of Bill Barr and Burning Bright. <laughs> That's so perfect. Easy three cents. I'm not sure. I think, well, IG Horowitz was asking for more subpoena power, and I don't know what the latest updated on that is. That's a good thought. I need to look that up. Um, I never saw if he actually did get it. Now, easy three cents says, no, no, no. The Associated Press says Hunter Biden has to appear on October 3rd. So same day SBF starts. All right. All right. Um... Sergeant Sparky also says Operation Q.pub is a great site too. I haven't been to that one yet. It looks just like Q Alerts. Is it the, I mean, it looks like an exact copy of Q Alerts. Is it run by the same guy? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it looks the exact same. It has all the same links on the left and everything. Looks like just a copy of Q Alerts. Maybe two different sites in case one goes down. 
Okay. Um, over on Rumble, I know there was a rant or some rants I've missed. And I appreciate it, guys. Sorry I didn't get to them sooner. Okay. Let me scroll up make sure I can find them all. Okay. Anna, thank you for the rant. They asked, was hoping you could look at this and see if it's legit. Please and thank you. Well, let me see what it is. It's like a Telegram link. Well, Anna, I can't look at it because it's from a private group or channel. So, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if there's a public version of it. I could look at it, um, or if there's a link to like, I'd have to be able to access it. But it's in a private group. I'm sorry, so I can't I can't see it. Jay Frady, good morning. Listening while at the vet for my Aussie pup, we will need a weekly photo updates of your pups. <laughs> I took a couple of photos yesterday. Um, they're a little bit difficult to photograph because they're they're constantly in motion. So, um, but man, they're wonderful. Bear BL, thank you very much for the puppy fund. I will need every dollar of that for the puppy fund, no doubt. Thank you. I really appreciate that. These dogs. They like to eat everything. <laughs> Food or not, they like to eat everything. Y'all should really see us chasing them around the house after shoes. Because it's just like one of them gets a shoe, the next one gets a different shoe while you're taking away the first shoe. It's just nuts. They're It's like a Warner Brothers cartoon here. Okay, Indivisible Values, thank you very much for the rant. It says, can you please speak to the mass effect on the narrative another series of Q posts would command? What info could, should be spotlighted, tsunami of info waiting to happen? I'm not, um, I expect Q to post more, but going off of how things went when Q posted um, again last summer, after we uh, got the massive win in SCOTUS on 2A and on abortion and Roe v. Wade being overturned, which I still can't believe happened. Um, and there was a lot of debate about whether or not it was the real Q. And I think it is. And then we had the the post after the, the midterm election in November. I'm not sure how much more Q needs to like give us information like I'm not sure I I can't predict Q of course I do think that I, I do think the Q team will post more drops um maybe after Trump is asked the question like ask if he's Q plus by the me mainstream media um I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm expecting Q to, to post more, but I'm prepared. I don't feel like predicting them. Um, I could not have predicted the drops that they did post last summer and in November. Um, and the ones they posted in November, the most recent ones, um, I'm not entirely like sure I get them. Uh, so I've seen a lot of decodes of this one 4966 and not really convinced by any of them 
not not really convinced by any of them. Um, not not sure exactly what uh, Q is. I mean, I agree with a lot of the things that is, are said in it, but the question of how do you protect your DNA? There is a war for your DNA. Protect your DNA. Ascension. That portion of it, I've seen a lot of decodes of it, um, and I'm not not a big fan of any of them. Kind of interesting, but not that big of a fan. Uh, Q did say, I mean, this is another reason to know that Q's going to post again because he was he was asked, is there going to be a Q&A soon? And he said in time. So I'm expecting there's going to be some Q&A at some point. Um, this one about false prophets, I do think I know who this is about, but I'm not going to say it. It might might be specifically about more than one person, but it's generally good advice, right? It's generally good advice. Uh, but I do have a feeling that I, I have, when I read this, I, when I first read it, when it dropped and now I have an, I, I have a, a specific person in mind. Um, maybe you guys do too. So these most recent ones, like last November, we got one, two, no, is one, two, is it five? It's more than that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven Q post last November, and then an answer to a question. So eight total posts, but one of them is an answer uh, to a question that was asked. Um, oh, no, man. I feel like the media didn't really react to this very much, but I sure it sure caused a lot of like contention in the Anon community about whether or not they're legit drops and all this stuff. And, um, I'm not sure I do my, I will say that as Ascension them saying this, I don't, I've seen the decodes that it's like an Island. It's a health company, like all this stuff. I, to me, it reminds me of, um, rising above the details. Like to me, it makes me think of expand your thinking. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I take it is that we need to expand our thinking. Um, not that it's at some, some place or entity or business or whatever, but I could be wrong about that. Of course, of course. So music and fiction says been getting a bit frustrated with friends of mine because they still continue to believe that the Q drops were from Democrat trolls and that it was a massive psyop. They just won't listen to reason. Well, I, I still don't get, we talked about that at Gart, like how people think that it's a pacification operation or a disinformation operation, which some of it is, is disinfo, I believe. Um, but I think, uh, I, anybody who reads the drops and then does the work, the research to connect them both at the, to the context of the time they dropped and then align how, how many sinks there are with them. S Y N C with, um, Trump post, Scavina post happenings that day or near that day. Um, I don't know. See, I think that, I think you have to do the work to, to validate the drops. That's like the first step. 
the very first step, right when, right when you decide, okay, I'm going to look at the drops. I think the very first thing you have to do is verify them to the best of your ability to substantiate them and figure out, um, how credible they are. So you look at Q proofs, you look at, um, various, the timing of drops and Trump's tweets and all the things that the Q team did to prove to, uh, to the Anons on the boards that they were legit. I think that's the very first step. And then once you do that and you see why so many people believe that these are connected to Trump, then you can look at how Trump keeps on hat tipping Q and the Anons. And you can look at some of the major players that are in the drops, like say Senator Grassley, who this summer in a speech in the Senate literally quoted a couple Q drops word for word. Um, or a couple lines from Q drops, I should say, not entire drops. Um, and you're like, oh, wow, this is... And then you look at how Trump doesn't distance himself from Q at all. Um, but anyway, that's it takes work, man. Like it... You have to be... You not only have to be interested, you have to be willing to spend the time doing that. And I think it's good to have a healthy perspective on them that some of this stuff is disinformation. Q tells us that. And not take anything in the drops at face value um, necessarily, but try and figure out what they're getting at. You know, it's the Socratic method throughout these drops. And you have to have a mind that is desired the, the desires to pick them apart and understand them. And some people just aren't interested in that. And that's okay. I'm something I didn't bring up at the Badlands event when I was on the Q panel, but I had the thought to, but we were already closing the panel down and people were, I'd already given my final thoughts. Uh, but there are, I think there are a lot of, I wanted to say that two things I left out of that panel. One of them, I'm going to, I'm going to find the drop right now. Just a moment. There we go. I want to show you this drop because this, this is in my mind a lot during this time period that we're in. You are the support. This is from drop 1644 and Anon ask, I almost hope they don't ask meaning the question about Q. It would be fun to watch them try to manage the spin when 90% of the country is aware of you and all that you've been shining a light on while the MSN, MSM still can't acknowledge it. I can see them squirming now. Q replied, it must happen. Conspiracy no more. Think of, excuse me, think of every post made. It would force us to prove everything stated to avoid looking crazy, correct? What do they fear most? public awakening. If they ask, they self-destruct. Meaning, if they ask Trump, if the Q drops are real, if Q is real, if he is Q+, questions like that, it's like the MSM hitting the self-destruct button. Because it would then have to be proved that all of it was real. Hugh says, they know it's real. See the attacks. 
the build is near complete, growing exponentially. This, this is the part that really sets in with me. You are the frame. You are the support. People will be lost. People will be terrified. People will reject. People will need to be guided. Do not be afraid. We will succeed. Timing is everything. Think Huber. Think DOJ FBI reorganization. Think sex and child arrest and news. Think resignations, meaning loss of control. How do you remove evil and power unless you reveal the ultimate truth? It must be compelling to avoid a divide. Political attacks and optics. We are the majority and we're growing. Worldwide. Sheep no more. Together. Q. I, we are the support. And I love this drop because I think that's what we need to keep in mind that we're those of us who have spent the time to go through the drops and learn them. And I'm no expert. I'm no expert at all. There are people who know the drops far, 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 far better than me. But if you spend the time to go through them and learn as much as you can from them, then your role is not to evangelize Q. And I think a lot of people go wrong right there. They, they, go, they go wrong by trying to be Q evangelicals in a way. Maybe that's the best term, but they try and convert people into Q or they try and convince friends and family that Q is real. I'm not saying, I'm not calling you out at all music and fiction, I'm just bringing this up generally. And they try and get people interested in the drops. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but I think it's very, very important to keep in mind that that is not the goal. The goal is not for us to learn about the drops and then like convert everybody into an anon or a Q believer, quote unquote. The goal is to be the frame and to be the support in the in our communities and in our families and in our friends and businesses and whatnot. For as more and more of this stuff becomes mainstream, more of the information that are in the drops comes to light and is conspiracy no more. As things that were conspiracy and were downplayed become conspiracy no more, our place is to be the frame and the support and to keep informing people of that and to keep people focused, to guide them. Like I think that's the role. It's less so about convincing people to read the drops and believe them and more so about supporting them as they go through an awakening process like so many of us have. Yeah. And I see people saying that um, Trump was asked the question. There was in 2020, he, there was that moment at that. Uh, the, the puppies are awake. Uh, there was that moment where, where Trump, it was brought up to Trump by what's her face that really, I can't remember her name. She's so annoying. Uh, but she said, these people, they believe that there's this blood cult running the world and all of this. And um, that's not real. You don't believe that, do you? And Trump was just like, well, I think that they really care. They're really patriotic people and they really care about children. And, you know, he, he gave an answer that was pretty careful and it was also very reasonable, but it wasn't a full throated endorsement of Q. And the question of him wasn't 
the full question of look you can like the media knows guys they know this is real so the question they need to ask is like you keep on supporting the q, the q drops you keep on retweeting people who post drops you keep on hitting deltas people say that you are q plus like that it needs to be that direct um and like the drop says them doing that would be like hitting self-destruct All right, these doggies are telling me, shut up, dad. Come get me. <laughs> They're not still in their crates. I think my wife and my my toddler are here. And uh, I can hear them upstairs. All right. Guys, thanks so much. Appreciate the rants. Appreciate all the support you give. Remember, if you want to get some honey, instead of using rep code just human, you now need to hit the link in the description. Um, and yeah, thanks for all the support you give. Uh, I am going to go watch some Formula... No, wait. No, wait. I'm not. I was going to say I'm going to watch Formula One because it's Suzuka. I'm going to go take these puppies to the vet so they can get their next round of shots. And... Uh, then I'm going to watch Formula One this evening and this weekend. I love Suzuka. It's one of my favorite tracks in the entire world. And I always enjoy when Formula One visits there. I want to go there someday. That's one of my bucket list things is to go to Suzuka and watch a Grand Prix. Um, I'll be live for Defected on Sunday night, 9 p.m. That's my next show over on Badlands Media Channel. And I'm not sure about doing a show on this program on Monday. I possibly will. It might, I'm not sure yet. I'll post on my socials like I have been doing. I'll definitely do a show on Wednesday. I'm not sure about a show next Friday. And the reason is my wife is going to be out of town for work at the, the last half of next week. And she leaves she leaves Wednesday. And um, so I got to manage both my boys and the dogs and all of that stuff. And I just don't know if I'm going to have time to prepare a show for next Friday. We'll see what happens. I'll post it on my socials and just letting you guys know that um, checking my socials is, is the way to go. And on rumble, you can turn on alerts for when I, uh, for when I'm about to go live. Um, you'll get a notification. If I upload a video, I always upload the like schedule it on rumble. You can only schedule it so many hours in advance. I always schedule it about 12 hours in advance. Um, so if you turn that notification on, you'll get a notification that, uh, there's going to be a show that next morning. So, um, I cannot bring the dogs on screen and show. And people have been asking me to show the dogs on screen. I can't like it's, they'll be way too wild in this room, but maybe after they get some training that we've signed them up for, then, then they'll make an appearance at some point. So God bless you all. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Remember to defect from everything. Get some R and R. The new cycle is like drinking from a fire hose. It's exhausting. So it's important to take some time to, to get away from it for a while. Spend touch grass, hang out with your family and friends. God bless each and every one of you. Remember, we're not going to win every battle. We are going to win this war. I'll see you Sunday night. <laughs>